the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com. Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I am Jeremy Steele, and I've got some fantastic uh, youth workers, youth ministry pros uh, here with me today. And uh, we are going to be hitting a, a... huge topic head on today. Um, and I can't wait to, to see where our conversation goes. Uh, before we get there, uh, we'll just kind of go around, introduce yourself, uh, tell us who you are, where you are serving. And uh, we'll start with you, Amy. So I'm Amy Shreve, and I work for the Illinois Great Rivers Conference in college ministry. Uh, Chris. My name is Chris Lynch, and I serve the South Carolina Conference as the Director of uh, Ministries of Young People. Audra? I'm Audra Malvez, and I am at Plymouth Park United Methodist Church in Irving, working with college and young adults. Uh, Scott? I'm Scott Meyer, and I'm the Director of Student Ministries at McFarland United Methodist Church in Norman, Oklahoma. And first time on the podcast, Charlie? My name is Charlie Ludden. I am the Associate Director of Young People's Ministry for the Oklahoma Conference. All right, so I feel like I it's been a long time since I've gone a day without a New York Times notification of a new person or a new development in the sort of ongoing sexual harassment um revelations in uh, in the United States just the uh, just it's a cancer, really, that has spread and uh, not been um, dealt with, uh, apparently, extensively for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, we can't fix the Hollywood system or the any of the other, you know, random places. Um, but we do, in many cases, have... Um, authority, responsibility, and um, and, and you know even uh, kind of culpability. If things go wrong, we haven't you know provided a, a healthy, safe environment um, in our youth ministries. Uh, and so, I, I'd like for us to really think about that together, right? How do you um, create uh, create an environment? Um, or, or even protect our environment from the similar sort of abuse that we have seen come out over and over again. Um, and, and Sharon Cook, uh, she's the coordinator of Camp Retreat and Age Level Ministries for the Wisconsin Conference. She's part of our Youth Worker Collective. She is the Safe Sanctuaries person. And, and when she knew we were going to do this and, and couldn't be on the call, she, she said, please, 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 uh, you, you know, reiterate that you know you need a, a written safe sanctuaries policy you need to train people on it annually you need to review it annually to see if there needs to be changes and updates um but and at the same time she said you know a policy can't eliminate the chance that you know the uh, abuse or harassment is going to happen but it can reduce the risk dramatically i think that's important for us to kind of say up here at the top but um you know safe sanctuaries is is important um Absolutely. Uh, but let's kind of talk real nuts and bolts. Um, how do we, what can we do to protect our environments, our students, our youth ministries um, from the, this sort of uh, abuse and harassment? 
Jeremy, one of the things that you said that I think is pretty important is that a, a policy by itself, written words, is not going to stop some sort of sexual harassment or some so, sort of event um, occur uh, that we don't want to have occur. Um, it's, it's the enforcement of that. And I think oftentimes as youth workers, we need to even go above and beyond what is actually the written policy. Um, you know, we almost have to make sure that we are aware of what is going on, um, not only at an event, but what's going on in the lives of our volunteers in their relationships and friendships and contact with our students. And, and that means um, extra involvement. That means uh, extra contact. That means that we really have to be aware of these things. Um, and, and, and for us to almost be um, um, just very vigilant about it, that, that we're always following up, that we're always in conversation. And if there's ever a rumor um, or anything uh, suspicious occurring or even things that we feel um, that are making us uncomfortable, we have to pursue those. We can't just wash it away and say, oh, that's just, you know, that's just a rumor. That's just gossip. Or I'm just, you know, had had lunch that didn't sit well with me. And, you know, we have to we have to follow up on those things and, and, and almost, you know, be a pit bull about it, not let go until we know I'm in mean, our heart of hearts that that things are OK. And if we find that they aren't to follow up and pursue um, according to not only our policy, but what we know is best for our student ministry um, to make sure that those those things aren't occurring. And if they do follow up um, in, in the way that's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think having a like, quote unquote, safe sanctuary police, like someone who is um, very adamant about following policy and enforcing it can help with accountability um, and making sure that it's written down and that all of your volunteers follow it. All those things that we know, quote unquote, we should be doing, but it's so easy to cut corners when you don't have enough volunteers to show up to something or um, when you have a mission trip and you've got one male adult, you know, like how, right. how are you going to, you know, how are you going to find that balance and make sure that everything is still going, um, you know, that everyone is still protected. Yeah. I think there's also an element of, um, talking to every age level about mm -hmm. sexual harassment and consent, mm -hmm. um, and building that into what's appropriate touching, what's not appropriate touching if something happens to you, who do you talk to? Yeah. Um, I know those are things like we train our volunteers, but do we train our students and our children? Yeah. yeah. Um, I have young kids and I have, they're on comfortable conversations, but I found great books that help me have that conversation with them. Um, and as I talk to college students, helping them recognize why women are stepping out and saying something now is really important. Um, some don't know why people, women have been silent as long as they have and understanding that context, um, I think is, is important yeah. that women's voice, women have come forward and said something and been silenced for so long, mm -hmm. um, that this is, this is the tidal wave. People are actually right. believing us when we say me too. And on so that point, Andy, that, I feel like. In mainstream Christian culture, it's so easy for women to take the blame of sexuality in general. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and so it, we've got to change the conversation of how we talk about sex and how we talk about sexuality with our students, um, you know, all the way from elementary up to, um, up to our young adults. And so when we can start talking about the equal responsibility in that um, and how, you know, our bodies are created um, beautifully and healthily and that there's nothing wrong if you've got, in, it, you know, when puberty starts and mm -hmm. all these things, because it's that sense of shame that comes about and then that, and, you know, that, 
continues the the silence. It's so easy in church to be um, to be straddled with that with that guilt um, and not have a place to talk about it. So, like what you said, Jeremy, at the beginning, we've got to make our churches an environment where people feel safe. It starts with what Amy said about talking about things and talking about it at an early age. Yeah, Audra, I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that because the you know a, a lot of times volunteers grew up in in a youth ministry you know era you know prior to this, especially um, if you're a, a in a smaller church and and you're the youth worker, you're in no way paid. Uh, you know, you're in your you know mid fifties. Um, <laughs> You, you said we need to change the conversation um, about sexuality, and, and can can you can you rewind just a second and say what was what what have we said in the past that maybe is not the the way we need to be? Obviously, we're saying it wasn't the way it should be. It should have been then, but but we need to change today. Yeah. Just to kind of so, name some of those things. Yeah. When I start this conversation with youth workers, when I'm talking about our sex, our, you know, how we talk about sexuality, I always start the conversation by talking about dress code. Um, mm -hmm. And like, who does your dress code uh, address the majority of? And I think for a lot of churches, it addresses, well, not I think, I know from, from doing this drill with several youth workers that it addresses specifically women most of the time. So girls can't wear two-piece swimsuits. Girls have to wear long enough shorts. Girls have to wear shirts with sleeves. Girls have to wear shirts that have that cover their um, their cleavage. Girls have to wear, you know, uh, name the list, and girls have to wear it right. um, or can't wear it. And so then that puts the responsibility. Girls, um, the way we talk about sex to young women um, is that they're responsible for not causing their um, their brother to stumble into sexual sin because we're dressing, um, we can, we as women can change that by dressing modestly. Um, and this obsession with modesty puts a lot of shame onto, uh, women and, and not that we're doing that on purpose. Like it's not like right. churches are out there vindictively pointing the finger at women most of the time and, um, saying it's your fault, it's your fault, but that's what it, that's the subliminal message that we're giving our young women that their bodies right. are something to be covered and something to be, now there's something to be said for dressing respectfully and dressing appropriately. Like I'm right. not going to walk into a business meeting in, you know, a tank top and cut <laughs> off shorts. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's when you get to have conversations with your young people about, about being um, appropriate for the, the meeting, but it's or for the, for the, the social situation. But that doesn't mean that, um, you know, at a pool party when I, when I, when I, um, have a pool party or a, we go swimming on mission trip or whatever. My swimsuit policy is not a policy. My swimsuit policy is whatever your mom allows you out of the house in, that's what you're allowed to wear. Uh -huh. um, and then we talk to our, you know, and then we can change the conversation and talk about your, your, um, our young people need to take control and responsibility for their own sexual urges because we mm -hmm. all have them. Um, and it's not something to be ashamed of, but it's something to um, embrace and to handle responsibly in a way that doesn't threaten somebody else or a way that shifts the blame or responsibility to another human. But it's right. our responsibility to take care of. Good. That's my spiel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 
you know, we, you know, you're talking about that sort of modesty culture. Um, that uh, I, m- m- there are some churches that are are, are very much concerned with that, um, and and I think that there there's an argument to be made for for modesty, but when we apply it, it needs to be equally applied. Uh, if you're going to teach this uh, kind of value of, of, uh, modesty in dress, uh, we need to go through and do the exact same kind of stuff for the young men and make, uh, make the exact same kind of statements for the young men in our group, um, as we do the young women, though, I, I think your words are, are really, really, um, really, really spot on for, for, well, for, you know, Jeremy, I, I would say that also it's not just about the policy for the policy right, yeah, sake, yeah. but how do you communicate with not just the leaders, but with the young people, the heart behind the policy? Um, you know, I, I was I was in I was in a local church in when when the South Carolina conference, which, you know, I guess most conferences did as well, I assume when they made that shift and every church by X year had to have a safe sanctuary policy. And I can remember thinking, Oh my gosh, we'll never be able to do ministry again. It's going to kill ministry <laughs> because there's so many rules and regulations. And there was that mentality and it was the bad, it was, but I think helping your leaders in your youth ministry understand the heart behind those policies is, is important. And I think too, even with as as Audra was talking about, <clears throat> you know about like things like dress code and those sort of things, it is you know talking about uh, if it's you know I'm a I'm a dad of three daughters you know three teenage daughters and it's you know it's it's not just about you dressing modest because of what it's of the the way it may you may help a, a young man stumble but it's it's about teaching them about respecting your yourself and not being seen, you know, doing everything you can not to be seen as an object because that's what our culture feeds young men constantly over and over is that, that women are an object and, and that's, that's completely wrong. And, and I want to help my daughters understand that's not what you are. You are incredibly wonderfully made because God made you that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a heart behind that, not just a, you know, a rule that says do this and don't do this, um, but understanding the, the 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 reasoning and the heart behind those rules, I guess. Yeah, and I think, I think we have to check ourselves when we talk about um, the men versus the women, especially with our youth, because you know, yeah. if a girl walks in with very short shorts, we say, okay, you need to change. If a boy comes in with extremely short shorts, the whole group laughs, mm-hmm. um, and that's mm-hmm. how we have it set up, and it's been youth culture. So, so part of it is looking at ourselves and how we react and how we treat the situation mm-hmm. and the biases that we may have in that situation. Um, we have the next conversation. We look at um, policing it. How many conversations have we had about teaching safe sanctuaries to our youth? Um, we, yeah. we focus more on making sure that we train our volunteers and the people are going to be with the youth. But if we have those conversations and actually training our actual youth about what safe sanctuaries and what's right, our police become um, larger. We have other people watching out yeah. seeing things, seeing things. Mm-hmm. in the beginning. It's kind of funny and they joke off about it. And you have moments where they go, Oh, they yell safe sanctuaries and it's a joke to them. But when something really doesn't look right or someone really feels weird, yeah. they know what to look for. 
Yeah. Um, so and, having a conversation and we've given them permission to speak out. Um, yeah. We you're creating a culture and an environment where it is completely safe to say the senior pastor's hug creeped me out. Um, yep. You know, that's 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 the kind of stuff that it's important. And, and, and you're right. I've been where it, it becomes a joke. But in a way, the, the, the joking, as long as we're careful about it, can can normalize the conversation and make the words OK to say out loud, you know? Um, yeah, is, I think it's different if the joke is for everybody. That's fine, but right, if we're right, only right. making the joke when the when the boy does it with the short shorts. Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, back to your. I did for a minute. You know, somebody or a couple of you have a couple of folks have mentioned this idea of policing of having the the safe sanctuary police and all, and and I think yes, there's absolutely great value in having a a, a couple of folks or, or two who become the you know, the, the safe sanctuary police, so to speak. But I also think it's, it's important that you begin to create a culture too, where everyone has that on their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can remember being, uh, you know, uh, when, when my wife, we had our first daughter um, and suddenly my wife was no longer around uh, as much at youth nursery meetings on a Sunday night. You know, I had a couple uh, that were my volunteers and I went to them and said, Hey, look, I need you guys to commit that every Sunday night that both of y'all be the last ones to leave with me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and there was never a word spoken, but that was just a safety to put in place because that was part of our culture. Not, you know, not, and, and so it wasn't, so just things like that where they understand and are looking, they know to look for these things or if they weren't there, then there was a culture where it was an unspoken thing where we were looking out for one another to say, well, Hey, that may leave him or her in a in a vulnerable situation. So let's let's hang around or whatever. Versus, you know, having that one person that's walking around trying to find the, the, you know, like the, like the one cop sitting out with the with the radar gun. They're that one, that one person that's looking for every infraction. And because eventually, somebody's gonna get really annoyed at that person for always nagging them about safe sanctuary. One of the things that uh, one of you said as an example that I think we kind of passed over was, you know, the senior pastor or somebody gives a hug that is sort of creepy um, and creeps somebody out. You know, it, it, one of the things that it takes from those of us in leadership is boldness. So yeah. we, we have to be willing to hold everybody accountable, including mm-hmm. those who supervise us, the most powerful person in the church, uh, those adults who work with our kids, um, and, and to do it in an appropriate way, because, you know, sometimes it would be easy to say, oh, you know, I know that person, he didn't mean it creepily or whatever. Um, but, but that doesn't create a safe environment for the student who shared that concern with you for, or for the other adult who shared that con- concern with you. Um, it, we have to have a level of, of boldness. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, not only are we talking about policy, so we have our policies, our safe sanctuaries policies, we're also talking about culture. And in an over-sexualized yeah. culture, everything from what we see on TV uh, to what we know kids are looking at on their smartphones when they're in school, the, the availability right. of pornography. I mean, these are all uh, contributing to the to the same thing. And so we're not just talking about policies that keep our kids safe. We're also talking about how we confront real life situations that are bombarding our kids and our, our, our families and our church members every single day and how we as Christians rise above this. And then the third thing that comes to my mind is, you know, now now we're entering into a whole political realm, you know, when we have when we have people who 
who are on one side of the fence and my candidate was accused of this or whatever. And, and then it enters into this whole other thing. And, and all of those issues make it a whole lot easier for us to just say, I don't want to deal with it. It's too much. It's too mm-hmm. stressful. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's when we start to enter into foolishness is when we think that it's too difficult to deal with that we just don't because we don't don't want to, you know, there's all of these issues about sexuality. There's all these issues about politics. There's all these issues about policy. And it's, it's overwhelming, but we have to stand above the fray and say, we are not going to ignore this. We're going to deal with this head on in every single aspect um, that comes to mind. That's, that's important. Uh, you know, one of the weird um, responses I've seen uh, throughout all of this is something that I've actually heard in churches where I've served, um, and that's that that person was from a different time or mm-hmm. that was a different time or, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's, it's odd because what they're saying is that person is from a time when sexual harassment was okay or, <laughs> you know, where abuse was, was, was not a problem. We were okay with that. And, and I don't, I think it's important for us to not in some sort of odd, I almost feel like sometimes people are trying to be respectful. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. I don't know, but the idea that just because someone is older or something was in the past or whatever, that that excuses it, um, that, that doesn't excuse it. And it doesn't doesn't mean that we allow things to persist or not be named, confronted, and, and dealt with. And um, we don't have to shame people. Um, sometimes people just need people do need education, um, and, and that's part of uh, you know what we were talking about with the reviewing of the safe sanctuaries policy. But it's more, it it, it really is more uh, th- than a policy. Um, I think that's where where we all have been kind of orbiting around, um, and and here's the so here's a question. Um, uh, we, we talked about the sort of odd body shaming, very weird conversation of putting my sexual issues on as somebody else's responsibility to deal with, um, but you know a, a lot of. Uh, a lot of what's happening in the teenage world um, sexually is they're they're really becoming aware of all sorts of different things about themselves, their bodies, their sexuality, um, and so uh, you know I, I I'm curious. It's an important issue with students, um, but um, Amy, how how do we? have a conversation about sex that also, because I feel like that is a, a moment in time in a, in a youth ministry that is primed for sexually harassing talk, actions, behavior. Um, how do we have that conversation in a way that's healthy um, and protect that, still have the conversation, not ignore it? Um, how, how do we deal with that? Um, so I'm going to have to start off. My views have, of sex have, and what's appropriate have changed drastically since I was in high school. <laughs> right. Um, and so As I hope everybody's have. Yeah, I was going to say. Right. <laughs> um, but, 
and I primarily work with college students and grad right. students now, right. which is different than high schoolers. Um, mm-hmm. And I see new challenges um, being <laughs> being a feminist and a Christian and mm-hmm. figuring out what does it look like as a woman um, seeking a professional life? What does that look like um, if you don't get married? Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or postpone it a lot longer than men. Like statistically, that's just, that's right. just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this all, yeah, it kind of just all plays into this, a little bit of this conversation. It's a little bit, it's a different conversation too. Um, yeah. But just really equipping students um, with good language. Yeah, of, no, that's huge. Um, knowing what consent is. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that that needs to be a conversation that happens. And if you're not okay having that conversation, then it's not a good idea to get physical. You're right. Um, oh. Yeah. And, and knowing um, that you have a voice and if you're a survivor or a victim, who to go and talk to. Yeah. Um, so who can amplify that voice for you? Right. Um, whether, and I think that, and how do we equip students in church to be advocates for themselves across yeah. all of the spectrum, whether that's in school. And so thinking about, okay, this is going to hit um, our football programs. This is yeah. going to hit our schools. This is going to hit um, our music programs. Um, and it's not just a girl or a boy specific issue. No. Yeah. Right. I know there were some young men that came out, I think from the, um, against a, a symphony conductor recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how do we make sure that we empower students um, across the spectrum? Yeah, I think that's important to try to give them, um, you know, in- encourage them to, to feel like they have a voice and have permission to speak. Uh, I mean, wh- how do you do that? I think the, the right now I was just looking at it. The Time Magazine post that just went out talking about the um, person of the year and the cover photo is all these women that came out about the sexual harassment allegations and everything. Um, there's a video that goes along with it and part of the video is just them talking about the situation and trying to empower um, other people that are maybe going through this or have gone through this that, you know what, you have a, a voice. This may be one of the times where we can look at what's happening in society and actually push forward media <laughs> and saying, speak up, let us support you. Um, I was watching it and one of the, the only male that's present in this video is Terry Crews. And if anyone who knows who, who Terry Crews is, that man is probably six, five, 270 pounds of mm-hmm. solid muscle that was assaulted by a man right. much smaller than him. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. idea that we may have as a stigma that um, it's only women, then it's definitely mostly women. And we've seen that, but the empowerment, and even the words that Terry Cruz chose to say was everyone should be able to speak up. It is not mm-hmm. our place to say who's right and who's wrong in this mm-hmm. conversation, but we should have this open area where everyone should be able to speak up if something like this happens to them and his yeah. and his presence just shows it can happen to multiple people and even on the male side which i think is definitely a more minor side of this conversation is don't be ashamed to speak for yourself yeah um, when you have public figures that have been out and have been able to say this kind of things i mean we bash the media a whole lot because there's a lot of things the media does that makes no sense and drives us crazy 
And, but I think we need to look at the times when can we empower the media to empower our young people around us and saying, look at these people who we list as successful that are going through things just like you are. Yeah. Um, this is an opportunity to say it is okay. It is not your fault that you were attacked. Mm-hmm. Now let's yeah. talk about it. And not Absolutely. just this one instance. How do we make this a year round conversation? So it's not awkward when we have to talk about sex in a youth group because yeah. we're constantly having conversations about life and where we're sitting. Right. Audrey, you said that you, um, uh, uh, have trained youth workers and obviously done youth ministry before I I've sat in one of your seminars. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, what do you, what do you say to youth workers stat paid or, or unpaid? Um, what are the things that we need to be careful about um, in our own ways that we are interacting and presenting ourselves and speaking about um, the issue of sex, sexuality, all of that, when we, when we engage in that topic, what are, what is, what do you counsel there? Well, I think it's important to, uh, for each individual person, like leader to really examine where their biases are coming from, where they're in from, like, it's so easy to, um, say we're going to have we're going to have a three week series on sex every other year and that's the only time we talk about it because right. it's uncomfortable and so i challenge um i challenge youth workers and i challenge myself to get real with um where where that uncomfortableness is coming from and mm-hmm. address it personally before you take it to your youth group um right. because once you know that then you know where it impacts one, where you're getting your curriculum from. Um, mm-hmm. And you can take a really strong analytical look at the actual information that you're presenting. But then I challenge, um, I mean, I challenge myself, I challenge other youth workers that I meet that um, just like Charlie, I think it was Charlie that just said that um, we have to talk about it all the time. Like it can't just be this yeah. every other year thing. Like um, our kids are faced with sex every day. And they're faced with decisions. Um, And it's not just the physical act of um, a physical intimacy, whatever you label that as it's, it's comments, it's jokes, it's um, conversations that you have talking about other people, because we all talk about other people. We're a social uh, networking kind of being. And so it's how we talk about others. It's the words that we use to describe people. And um, I think that uh, I, I want to jump back on to, I, I think it was Charlie that was just talking before me, that um, I don't know the exact specifics uh, or the exact number statistically, but that men are, um, are assumed to be abused or um, harassed on a similar level as women. But I know for a fact that statistically they're significantly more underreported. And the fact that women are already underreporting rape and sexual harassment. um, And then we look at that and think that men are underreporting even more than women are. Um, I think it's really important that we talk about, um, you know, we talk about these things with our, we make it a safe space and it starts with the little things. Can your student come and talk to you about how their parents treating them and you believe them without 
being, you know, it starts with the little things because once you, once you've established that trust, and I know that this is like youth ministry 101, but sometimes it's good to be reminded that when we talk about sex, it starts with what the conversation we had with them in sixth grade about mm -hmm. their best friend calling them names and how we responded to that. Mm -hmm. Right. No, absolutely. So uh, this is a huge conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours about this. I don't know that people would listen to us talk for hours about this, but <laughs> we are unfortunately, I know, going to be continuing this. And I think it's a good thing in, in a way. Uh, it's a good thing in the sense that it's coming out. Our culture is dealing with it. Um, it's bad that it happened, but I'm hoping that this means that we're going to grow in a positive way from this. Um, and so I know that we'll be having more conversations here on this podcast and in our articles, uh, because this is just, it is a difficult subject period. Um, and, and when, when, Youth workers so often feel like you have to um, figure all of this stuff out by yourself. Uh, that's just no good. That's why we're here. Um, we want you to know that when you sit down, when you get online to work, that you, uh, we've got your back. We've got your back. We've got conversations like this, articles, games, ideas, all of that stuff. And you can find that all at youthworkercollective.com. And you can find uh, more of our podcasts at youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. <laughs>